0: Well praise the Lord everybody. I am so glad that you could join us tonight uh, for our Wednesdays together Uh, Tonight we're going to be continuing our series Christians at Our Best And this particular series is based on a book by Ed Stetzer And the book is called Christians in the Age of Outrage How to Bring Our Best uh, When the World is at Its Worst and it does certainly seem like the world is at its worst right now, doesn't it seem that way? Um, There is absolutely great division in our society. Our society is polarized. Uh, There's uh, differences everywhere. It seems like uh, there's differences of opinion on just about every facet of life, uh, whether it's political or, or moral or or cultural or economic, legal, whatever it is, it seems like there's differences, but not just differences, but, but great conflict as well. And so there's a great deal of outrage and unrest in our society at this time. And so the question for us believers uh, during a time like this is, what is our role? Uh, what is uh, should be our purpose right now? Or as uh, Stetzer asks, how can we bring our best to a world engulfed in outrage? Uh, some in our society would cause us to uh, support a particular movement or uh, a, a group, and other people in society would cause us or call us to support a group that's opposed to that other group. Uh, some would call us to support a particular cause; others would call call us to support a different cause, and. Joining movements and, and advocating for a particular cause All those things uh, may be right uh, at times They may be good, they may be helpful uh, But doing those things are not really uh, our, primary, our primary purpose And I want to read to you tonight from 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 20 In this particular passage uh, We're going to read Paul telling us what our primary purpose should be Verse 17, therefore, and I love this verse. I love it. It's always been one of my favorites. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise God. And he continues and he says, all this is from God. That that new creation work, it's all God's work. It's not our doing. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, now note this, here it is, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So Paul says in this passage that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself uh, through the work on the cross. And and now he's in us, uh, calling us to be people so that he can work through us to lead as many other people as possible to be reconciled to him as well. Uh, To reconcile two people, it means that uh, two people who've been at odds or at enmity with each other are brought back into friendly Relationships. Harmony, in other words, is restored. So, in this passage, we see Paul that he uses a particular uh, metaphor to explain or help us to better understand uh, what this role uh, that he's calling us uh, to, what it's like. He said it's being an ambassador for Christ and bringing a message of, of reconciliation to people by which they themselves can enter into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and through that be reconciled to God and in that reconciliation being forgiven and healed spiritually and transformed. So that is our primary role right now. Uh, That is our purpose, is to be ambassadors uh, for Christ in this age of outrage. So the title of our lesson tonight is What is Our Purpose? Uh, embracing our identity as kingdom ambassadors. But why this? Why, why is this our, our primary purpose? I mean, after all, we have, we have problems right now that have to be solved, and it sounds like if the solution is going out and winning people uh, to Christ and then being transformed by the Spirit, well, that might take a really long time, and we have problems right now that have to be dealt with, and besides, uh, many people are probably never gonna believe anyway so why would this, this be our main approach why wouldn't we uh, say deal with societal problems in a more direct route you know through politics and our movements and causes or our changes in the law why not use that route and the reason that we wouldn't only do those things is because those approaches though though they may accomplish Uh, much good in particular cases they really don't address the source of our problems and the source or the root cause of of all of our problems of of all the hostility hatred divisions oppression uh, injustice whatever it might be uh, the source or root cause of all that is because people are not reconciled to God and they are not transformed by his grace in other words Uh, The the root problem is human sin. Human sin is the source of our problems. And so the best thing that we can do, not not necessarily the only thing, but the the, the primary thing or the best thing that we can do is focus on helping people get free from the domination of sin. Amen? And, And that only comes through being reconciled with God. Well, does that mean if that's our primary purpose, does does that mean that we abandon abandon politics and cease supporting any cause unless it's directly witnessing for Jesus? Uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. If there are, for example, specific wrongs that you sh- that you see, um, of course, you know you should oppose them and, and try to right them if that is possible. But what I am saying is that we need to recognize that efforts like that. Uh, in some sense, are really just short-term fixes or, um, or limited cures. Uh, now, why would I call them a short-term fix or a limited cure? And the reason for that is because, though they may be righting a particular wrong, and, and that's good, uh, we generally are not really addressing um, the source of the problem. Uh, We're not addressing the sin in the heart of people who have not been reconciled uh, with God. So in trying to be our very best for society, we want to focus on what actually does address the sin problem. And that is winning others to Jesus Christ. True true and lasting and widespread societal change um, will come from individuals being changed by the spirit of Christ and by his teaching. Um, it won't really come just from top down trying to impose on people right views or, or to legislate uh, good behavior. Uh, it has to come from within. It has to come from within. So uh, by all means, by all means, sincerely take up uh, the causes that you feel that are, you know, are right, but just recognize that your hope, our hope, cannot be in things that are just human effort, and uh, we cannot give all of our time and our energy to things that really are short-term or limited in what they accomplish. Our hope, our hope is in Christ the King and in his kingdom coming powerfully to our society and pushing out Uh, The kingdom of this fallen world. And and our priority, therefore, is being an ambassador for that kingdom. Amen. And proclaiming to others his message of reconciliation and deliverance from the power of sin. Of course, uh, if we're going to call people to be reconciled to God, we first ourselves have to be reconciled uh, to God, in order to be able to lead other people to that. Um, but here, just as an aside, is a is a byproduct of that. When we are reconciled with God and we're walking consistently in relationship with Jesus Christ, it's then that we'll be in the best position to discern what are the causes that we should take up and our movements that we should join or be a part of. And having done that, how uh, to advocate for them or be a part of those groups in a right way. In other words, the Christ-like way. Praise God. So, uh, what does it mean to be an ambassador? Well, an ambassador is a diplomat, uh, a person that's designated by his or her uh, country to represent their country in a foreign land. Uh, Stetzer notes that in the ancient Roman Empire, in which you know the early Christians were living, ambassadors had four crucial functions. One, uh, they had a specific task to accomplish. Uh, their sovereign had given them something specifically to do. Two, uh, they traveled to a specific place, not their home, uh, but out of their home, out of their country. Uh, to accomplish that task. Three, they were dedicated to the interests of the one who sent them, not to their own interest, And four, they did not return home until that task was completed and they were called home. So ambassadors, uh, they weren't just messengers or heralds that would show up and just proclaim a message. Uh, they were representatives on a mission. They had a definite mission to fulfill And they had responsibility to directly engage a foreign government or culture on behalf of their sovereign. They didn't stay at home, again, to accomplish their Lord's task. They engaged the culture. They sought to build bridges with people so that they could communicate their Lord's message and interest with clarity. Well, it's not surprising that Paul might use that kind of metaphor to describe our mission for God's kingdom. God's given us a task. Uh, He's called us to the mission field, Uh, not necessarily to a a foreign country, uh, but where we are right now is a foreign land. It's not just God's kingdom. He's called us to the mission field, and we persist. We are to persist in uh, god's task until the lord calls us home until the lord returns or we pass away from this earth to our heavenly home so let's take a little bit uh uh, let's take a a little bit uh, more detailed look at what it means to be an ambassador again as ambassadors we are sent by our king Uh, the fact that god has sent us out, is sending people out to reach other people. First of all, speaks to the fact that God loves people, that God has a great love for the lost. He isn't just distant. He isn't uncaring. He he isn't isolated uh, from people, but but he longs for people to be brought back into relationship with him. And he longs so much for it that he acts. He's doing something about that by sending us out. So not only does the fact that we're sent by the king speak to God's great love for people, uh, that we are a sent people, emphasizes uh, several important ideas uh, about our relationship to him and his kingdom. Uh, for example, we are sent not to establish and advance our own kingdom. We are sent to establish and advance his kingdom uh, with the help of his empowering spirit we are to uh proclaim and 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 demonstrate his love and the power of his kingdom in other words it's all about him it's not about us as a sent people we have an allegiance to our sovereign our lord who sent us we serve him uh, one of the most common titles that Paul uses to describe his own ministry is that of a servant. Many times you see it in his letters and in other letters in the New Testament, this idea. In 2 Corinthians 4, 5, for example, he says, For we do not preach ourselves... Again, they're, they're not. he's not establishing his own kingdom. Uh, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord... And ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Paul says we are bondservants, literally slaves, um, for your sake, for Jesus' sake. Uh, James the Apostle, here's another example, begins his letter, James 1.1, with this, I am a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what Paul and James understood so clearly is that they were not their own; they had been bought with a price with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and they belonged to him, to the one who had reconciled them to himself, and their allegiance uh, absolutely was to him and to his cause and what he had called them to do. it was not uh, they were not dedicated to something that they just desired to see in the world. It was all about him and fulfilling his mes- his mission. Um, as messengers, as ambassadors, our allegiance must be to him and to his mission as servants of the great king. Now in this day of outrage, there are many other missions that we might uh, give ourselves to and, and and at times again it may be good for us to be a part of a particular movement a cause or whatever but our ultimate allegiance always has to be to Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his mission everything else everything uh, all the support that we might give to something else must be subordinate to and guided by our devotion and allegiance to Jesus Christ amen we are a sent people and we are sent specifically with the message of reconciliation, in Ephesians two, Paul outlines four uh, great truths, four central truths about reconciliation. Uh, the first one, uh, the fact that there needs to be reconciliation uh, between people and God, shows that outside of outside of Christ, um, there is hostility between God and people because of sin. Ephesians two one through three says. So Paul says, because of our sin, we deserve God's wrath and judgment. And that's why we're so desperate to be reconciled to God. So that's the first main truth, is that there is hostility and division between God and people outside of Christ. Uh, The second point is, the second great truth is, God is love. God is love, and he is the initiator of this reconciliation. Verses four and five. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Praise God. Uh, We didn't decide one day just to seek God because we loved him. Uh, No, in fact, we were dead in trespasses and dead people don't seek God. But God sought us out. He was the one out of love, who, who initiated our reconciliation. Amen. The third point, the third truth, is that the work of Jesus Christ is the sole solution to take away this hostility between God and sinners. Nothing nothing that we can do could ever affect that reconciliation. Verses 5 through 9. Uh, this is a classic passage from Scripture. I love it. May boast. There is nothing. We can never be good enough. We can never do enough good works for God to suddenly say, Ah, you've reached it. You've reached it. Now you are righteous. You've become righteous at my side. There's nothing that we can do. It's all as a result of Christ's work on the cross and and his grace being extended to us and, and drawing us to him. Praise God. And we receive it by faith. That's just trust and absolute reliance on Christ's work, not our own. And then the last, the last truth about reconciliation, uh, number four, is um, though our reconciliation was not accomplished by any of our good or our good works, uh, but by the work of Christ. Never, nevertheless, after we are reconciled uh, to God and transformed by his spirit, we do begin a life that is characterized by good works verse 10 for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them and one of those main good works is being on mission as an active participant to help uh, other people be reconciled to god amen so, these four truths express the the grand message of salvation and reconciliation that we're sent to bring to the world again, It begins with God reconciling us through christ 's death, uh, bringing us back into relationship with him, forgiving us of our sins, um, giving us new spiritual life, even though we were enemies with God and weren 't seeking Him. He sought us out, He reconciled us and transformed our lives, and in that experience. Uh, we rejoice, we should rejoice uh, with a joy that is not rooted in anything in this foreign land that we're living in, but that is rooted in Christ and his kingdom and our new life with him. And when we have that joy, um, we're naturally going to want to share that with other people. Um, We all have a tendency to become evangelists for things that have changed our life, I have met many mighty evangelists for the keto diet uh, several years ago. I, there are mighty evangelists in the land for coconut oil. <laughs> um, there are mighty evangelists that have talked to me about the power and the benefits of intermittent fasting. Um, people get on a mission for things that change their life. And so we will too when we walk in Holy Ghost power and joy. Amen. One time, uh, Jewish leaders were trying to shut down the apostles and stop them from witnessing for Jesus. But in Acts 4 20, uh, they said, "For we, we cannot help but speak about the things that we have seen and heard. They just couldn't help it. Uh So when we're walking in the spirit and, and in the present tense, experiencing the power of God and the joy of God in our lives, very often we're just easily going uh, to be on mission as ambassadors. We're just naturally going to want to do that and, uh, amen uh, Stetzer though but let me say this there's there's something else though um, that we have got to uh, add to that to add to that enthusiasm and that of passion we need something else to keep us on mission and that is to have Christ's love and compassion for the lost working in our lives Stetzer says this central to our success as ambassadors is responding with compassion to the lostness of others. Uh, So compassion, we respond with compassion, not contempt for people. And we see Jesus powerfully modeling this response, modeling the compassionate response in Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Uh, Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus saw the lost and he had compassion. Uh, He didn't despise them or, or look down upon them because they weren't following God and weren't reconciled to God. He felt compassion. Compassion is uh, pity or concern for the sufferings and misfortunes of others. Uh, The Greek verb that is translated had compassion is splantnizome. And it makes me really happy to say such a word like splantnizome. The noun related to this verb is splantnone. And you know what splunknum is, or splunkna in the plural? You know what that refers to? It actually, literally, refers to the internal organs, uh, in particular, the intestines. (laughs) So how on earth, what does this mean? Uh, So the verb, you might say, splunknizome, is I am moved in the inward parts. Now where did all this come from? Um, In the ancient world. Uh, psychological responses and emotions were often associated with various um, organs, inner organs in the body. And we actually do that figuratively. You know, we may talk about uh, love or heart, our hearts being the seat of, of, of love. And um, now none of us though actually think that love or emotions of love come from this particular organ we connect that with our brains but in ancient hebrew and, and greek culture at least uh, the seat of love and sympathy and compassion and mercy was right here <laughs> was in the gut um, which is actually not so strange if you if you think about it a, l- a little bit uh, have you ever felt like intense sympathy or compassion for somebody and you're just like oh you feel it right here well that's what the ancient people did they felt it right here and so they were like well it must come from right there so Stetzer describes this compassion as a gut feeling that stirs us to action so uh, when Jesus saw these crowds that were like sheep without a shepherd that were lost He had a gut reaction about their lostness and it moved him to act. It moved him to to want to heal their brokenness and pain and seek to reconcile them to God. And the reason that compassion is so important for us as ambassadors for Christ is that if you truly have compassion for something or for somebody, you can't just ignore that. Um, it will cause you, it will sometimes even compel you to act in uh, some way to help. So following Jesus' example, we're not supposed to be uh, uh, dispassionate or aloof or unmoved ambassadors. We are called uh, to love the lost. We're called to have compassion for the lost like Christ did. Even even when People may at first despise what we stand for as believers in Jesus Christ. Well, how on earth are we supposed to have that kind of compassion uh, for others, especially if people we're trying to reach out to may despise us or are not like us? Uh, Well, we can't naturally have that kind of compassion. It certainly does not come easy. But we can begin to develop that kind of Christ-like compassion As the Spirit of Christ lives in us and seeks to love other people through us. Uh, Remember in 2 Corinthians 5 20, Paul wrote, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So Christ actually can love other people through us and draw others uh, through us uh, to him. He can make his appeal through us not just us sharing the message of reconciliation but but loving them giving us love for those people and and they feel they can feel that love and it enables us to build bridges with people and be in a much better position to be able to to share the gospel with them and lead them to be reconciled as well well how how do we allow Christ's love and compassion to work in us or how do we develop that through prayer uh, specifically a particular prayer in Matthew 9 uh, continuing in Matthew 9 right after Jesus you know was moved with compassion seeing the crowds he says this in verses 37 through 38 then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So note the, note the progression there in these verses. He points out that there's a great harvest. It's plentiful. And he also notes that even though the harvest is great, there really aren't hardly any workers in the harvest. And so he commands us to pray. He actually commands us to pray that the Lord would send out workers When we pray uh, for the harvest and for the Lord to send out workers, we're actually not praying for other people. Um, We're actually praying for ourselves. Uh, The effect of this kind of prayer is that that God will shape us, the Lord will shape us, so that we gladly will want to work in the harvest. Um, As we pray for the harvest God will help us remember what he's done for us. He's harvested us, so to speak, already. And he's going to stir up in our hearts gratitude for that. And out of that gratitude, he'll create a desire in us uh, to be given opportunities to bring the gospel to other people so they can experience the same thing. And as we pray uh, specifically that prayer for workers to be sent out, Christ will continue to strengthen that desire to be used by him. He'll he'll shape our thoughts toward the lost. And he will actually create in us his compassion for them. A compassion that will help us to push through obstacles to relationship with other people. Obstacles that that in the past might have kept us even from talking uh, to certain people. Amen. He will give us the compassion that we need to reach others, and to stay on mission. So there is a takeaway for tonight. Here's something that we all need to do. I would ask you to begin doing that. Is begin praying earnestly for the harvest and for the Lord to send out workers into the harvest. Stetzer uh, mentioned some interesting research that he was a part of. Um, he was a part of a group called Lifeway uh, Research and they did a survey, and they were asking people to respond to this particular statement. The statement was, I have a personal responsibility to share my religious beliefs about Jesus Christ with non-Christians. Well, maybe not surprisingly, 80 people, or 80% of those who responded agreed with that. They strongly agreed with that statement. But then there was a follow-up question, and it was this. In the past six months... How many times have you personally shared with someone how to become a Christian? Well, guess what the answer was? Uh, The most common answer was never, zero. Uh, 61% of the people said that they never had done that. So, um, can somebody really say they have a responsibility for something and, and say that it's important can somebody really say it's important? And by the way, if somebody were to ask us that, we all would say, oh, yes, um, I feel a, a responsibility to share my faith. I think it's important. Uh, we would all say that, but but can somebody really claim that, that it is important if they never really do it or only rarely do it? Um, and so are asked, why the disparity between Uh, Between our heads and hearts. And and why the difference between what we know to be true and actually doing it. And he says this, when we do not pray, including praying that prayer to the Lord of the Harvest, we become apathetic in our Christian duty to live as ambassadors. To be apathetic is to show no concern, no feeling, no interest in something. So we easily get distracted by other things Uh, We get distracted from being on Christ's mission. But I would add to that, uh, if if our prayerlessness goes on too long, uh, while at the same time we unceasingly take in media and social media with all that outrage that we see in that, uh, we're very likely not only just going to remain apathetic, but will actually become hostile to people. Uh, who don't think like we do. Uh, our attitudes will be shaped by the sinful world's attitudes. We'll be blind to the propaganda of the media, liberal or conservative, that seems bent on dividing us. And, and far from being a, an ambassador for Christ, our hostility and ungodly attitudes most likely, or very likely, uh, can lead to hatred and malice towards others and if people if if we're interacting with people especially in person and they sense that from you that real hatred and hostility and if they know that you claim to be a Christian uh, well it's very likely going to cause them to reject Christ even more uh, than they have before you know for some of us uh, the very The very best thing that we could do is take a nice, long break uh, from media, from the news cycle of outrage. Just take a break from it. Um, And and do an experiment. Do an experiment. Say just for a few weeks, uh, you're going to uh, separate yourself from, or you're going to discontinue just incessantly watching the news and reading stuff about all the bad things that are going on, and just dedicate yourself to prayer. Break away from uh, you know, the outrage and dedicate yourself to seeking the Prince of Peace. and And when you do, I think what you're going to see is a noticeable change in your heart where Christ replaces that hostility uh, with peace and where he replaces that malice or hatred with kindness and even love for other people. And in that transformation and changing your heart, um, he'll get you back on mission as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Amen. So we live in an age of outrage. Uh, Our society is polarized. And you know, we might have the inclination to just kind of hunker down and pray that, you know, the upheavals and storms will finally pass by so we can get back To our normal lives. Uh, But that that is not our purpose. Our purpose is to be an ambassador for the Prince of Peace. It's to seek uh, to help as many people as we can be reconciled to God. And when they're reconciled, their lives are going to be transformed uh, and they're going to have peace between God and them. They're going to be reconciled in right relationship with him. And out of that peace, Uh, they, together with us, can then do our very best uh, and do our part uh, to lessen the outrage that's in our society and bring the healing that's so desperately needed uh, for our broken society. I want to be a part of that. I want to be used by God, and I know you do as well. And if we'll just open ourselves up to him and allow him to work in us, he will do it. And we uh, can be extraordinarily used uh, to win other people to him in Jesus' name. Well, why don't we pray right now, asking for God to impress this message on our hearts. Lord, I know that you're calling us tonight to be ambassadors for you. And we, we want to be, we want to be useful. We want to fulfill your purpose And so we're asking right now that you would pour out your Spirit upon us, awaken in us a sense, a desire to be on mission. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your love and compassion so that we will boldly reach out to all people, Lord. You love everyone. You want everyone to have the opportunity to come to you and be reconciled. So use us to reach them. Use us powerfully. Let your miraculous power work through us, oh God to lead other people to you in Jesus' name. In all that we do, Lord, we give you the praise and the glory. We're so grateful that you've called us to yourself. We're so grateful that you've reconciled us and saved us. And we're so grateful for the opportunity that we have to bring other people to that so they can experience that as well in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Do you feel that call right now? The Lord is calling us to give ourselves to him so that he can use us. So remember, begin praying. Pray tonight. Uh, Pray in the morning when you wake up. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray that he will send people into his harvest. And when you do, he's going to prepare you and send you, and you're going to do something great for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Will the Lord bless you? We're in prayer for you. We love you, and we're excited about what God is going to do through you in Jesus' name.